0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Psalms chapter number one. You're all going to be teachers tonight, okay? You'll be teachers tonight. I know you all wanted to teach Wednesday night Bible study at one time or another. So you're all going to be teachers tonight. You're going to help me teach. This is not something that I do on a regular occasion, but I wanted to do it tonight. I mean, this is going to be kind of a little bit more open this evening. All right. I'm going to try to pull responses out of you. And if you have a response you wish to share, just raise your hand and please do so. Just please let it be applicable to what we're talking about. That's, that's always the scary thing. We used to do this a lot years ago. Bishop did open form a lot. And sometimes there were horses that got out of the corral. And so I want to do this tonight just because I think it's valid. I think that there's a lot of good input sometimes that come from you all. And this kind of breaks up the monotony of me coming up here. And I'm the lecturer that sits here and you're in class. And I lecture for 45 minutes to an hour. And you nod your head or you jot a note or you turn the page. So I'm trying to involve you here this evening. All right. And I'll keep us on course. All right. I'll keep us on course. and and show you where the pavement is if you get in the dirt or in the ditch amen but uh, uh, we're all going to try to be teachers here tonight I want us to think I want us to uh, consider Psalms chapter number 1 and with just in mind I am not starting a series on the book of Psalms if anybody's afraid right now because revelation wouldn't be in the near future it'd probably be a few years from now so we are not starting a series on the book of Psalms just so happens, Psalms chapter number one. This is just a standalone thing, okay? Tonight, uh, in the house of the Lord, Psalms one and verse number one, starting. This is a this is a notable psalm. This is, many of you should have some type of familiarity with this psalm. Amen. The Bible says, "Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth." Not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. And for lack of a better title, I put this on it Blessings of a Man. Blessings of a Man. Let's pray tonight that God would help us all, all right? Because you're teaching tonight, all right? That God would help us all. Father, I come to you this evening, thankful, Lord Jesus, for another opportunity to God be here. God, I know, Lord, I oftentimes say that, God, and I don't want it just to become rhetoric, but, God, it is, Lord, a grand, Lord, opportunity to seize being in the presence of the Lord in the house of God, with men and women, brothers and sisters, of this like precious faith. God, so that we can be iron that sharpens iron, God, off of one another. I pray, oh, Lord, Jesus, and we could re- be renewed in our minds tonight. God, help us, Lord, in our spirits, in our hearts and souls. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen brother Tyler if you could put verse number 1 back up there amen for me this evening first of all is is there anything out of this whole passage and this is where you're going to start to teach right now is there anything from this whole passage just from these settings of scriptures is there something in this just right away gut reaction that just strikes you is there, is there anything that draws your attention or that you just picked up on just in the reading of those six verses does anybody just pick up on anything do, do you notice anything is there anything that you notice anybody anybody until we're going to have a hard time already is there anything that you notice a lot of people's gun shy right you, just, you don't want to say anything do you notice any comparisons or contrasts that are taking place uh huh I tell you what, I'm gonna fire (laughs) y'all. Sister Brenda. How can you be blessed if you don't know God? How can you be blessed if you don't know God? The word blessed, and that's a great thing to focus upon, the word blessed. Because in the in the Old Testament Hebrew, it's not singular, but it's plural. It's like blessings. The word blessed is. Blessed. And then you say he, because evidently you're referring to the man. And uh, we understand, though, that a lot of times in Scripture, whenever it speaks of a man, it's not just talking about the male gender, of course. We understand that that encompasses more than just the male gender, male and female alike. But I think there's something also important to note concerning the man. Let's consider the man, that it is just simply and just very commonly that, the man. It didn't say the king let's say, the high potentate or the rich, did it. It just put it at its most base level, the man. Yet, this base level man, let's say the man without the bells and the whistles, this man is blessed. Amen. This man is blessed. Now, let's just take verse 1 because you all just being real hard on me. Let's take verse 1. Why do you believe maybe perhaps this man is blessed? What are some of the reasons? And the, the scripture looks at it in two ways. You, you're not just blessed for what you don't do, but you're also blessed for what you do. Because sometimes as, as Christians, and particularly apostolics, we focus a lot of times on the don't do's. But life as a Christian and the blessing of God upon your life doesn't just consist of What we don't do, but also what we do. All right? So what what are some of the blessings of this man, if you were to say? What are some of the things that you notice in that first verse? He's blessed because he does not do some of these things. Sister McGee. So he's, he, he's not taking counsel from the ungodly. What's another thing that he's blessed for not doing? I know y'all not blind. Separating himself from the sinners, or as the Bible says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. What is a third thing? Does anybody see an obvious third thing up there that he's blessed for not doing? Brother Pat, sitteth in the seat of the scornful as a matter of fact and and if you look at the whole psalm like i was trying to draw out of you earlier we see some comparisons and contrasts that's taking place in the scripture because as we go through the scripture and we come to the end of the scripture we really understand that we're talking about a, a few different groupings of people or maybe a few different ways we're talking about more particularly as he's described later in Scripture, a righteous man, and we're considering an ungodly man. And the, the writer of Psalms, and God no doubt leading all this, and he does this many times in the Scripture, particularly in the Proverbs, he sets two things in the same Scripture, and he compares and contrasts those two things hoping that whenever we come to the end of the Scripture, we can already draw the conclusion He wants us to draw. And so He's setting here in Scripture. He's setting a righteous man, and He's setting forth an ungodly man. And there's a few statements that are being made about both of these insomuch that when we come to the end at verse number 6, we will have drawn the conclusion that God wants us to draw. Amen. And so as we read, it's almost like you ever sat down, I had a choice or a decision to make. You ever did the little columns, and on the left you had the pros, and on the right you had the cons? And in the process of writing all these things down, you could view all the pros and you could view all the cons and you could feel like maybe you made an educated uh, decision or choice as a result of that. Well, that's kind of what, what the Scripture is doing for us. We, we have the righteous, we have the ungodly, and we're kind of, we have subheadings even under them, the pros and the cons and the pros and the cons. And hopefully when we get done, we look at it all and we say, yeah, I know which man I want to be. Amen. I, I know I've, I can come to a pretty good conclusion of who and what I want to be. Amen. Now, now, now consider, so, so we looked at some of these things. Does anybody see a progression in, in verse number one? A progression particularly with the verbs that are in verse number one. Walk, stand, sit. Very well. I applaud you. Great teaching. Walk, stand, sit. Amen. Whenever we speak about walking, when we speak about walking, sometimes you're speaking about direction because you're only going to walk in one direction unless you change direction. But whenever you're talking about walking, you're speaking about direction. And he said that we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, the word counsel can uh, render that idea of advice or walk not in the advice of the ungodly. But a, a counsel can also be a grouping of people, a council to walk not in the council or the grouping, if you will, of the ungodly. And why do you think that that would be important, not to walk in the council or be in the direction of the ungodly? And if I may share a scripture, Amos 3.3 spoke these words, and it asked a question, amen, that had an answer, but it was kind of rhetorical. Amos said, can two walk together except they be agreed? Can two walk together except they be agreed? What's your answer? No. Two can't walk together except they be agreed. And so, then you, we back up to verse 1, we begin to consider, if blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, he's blessed because if he is walking in the counsel of the ungodly, what's probably going to happen if it's not already happened? He's in agreement with the ungodly. And Scripture already tells us in Psalms number 1 that the ungodly are not so. In other words, they're not like the blessed man. Amen? Amen. They don't receive the same achievements or perks or blessings from their life as the blessed man. So if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, then you automatically subtract the blessedness in your life. Someone say Amen. Amen. And not only that, but consider this verse of Scripture as well, Proverbs 4. Many of you may know this one, Proverbs 4 and verse 14. It says, enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. Man, there's there's quite a bit of description there about keeping us not even walking by the path of the wicked, not going into it, not turning into it, just to avoid it altogether, because whenever we do those type of things, we become and pick up on the wickedness that we are turning toward and turning to. So we must not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The blessed man does not do that. Nor doth he, and they already said, standeth, in the way of sinners. Standeth in the way of sinners. Amen. Whenever we talk about standing, whenever you stand, if the man was walking and perhaps he then started to stand, there was a pause somewhere. As a matter of fact, uh, we probably do sometimes uh, more standing than we do walking Maybe. But whenever we get to the place of standing, whenever you stand or you, you say, I'm standing with these people or you have terminology like that, uh, standing speaks how we are now identifying ourselves. You know, you've heard the, the terminology, I'm going to take a stand. Or so on and so forth. They well, said, well, well, the blessed man doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Now, the terminology is not that there's a blessed man standing literally in the way. He's in the way, okay, of sinners. That's not that's the concept of it all. But he's standing, whenever we speak of way, we're talking about his way of life, his his processes of life, the way that he conducts life, that we stand. And whenever you stand in the way of sinners, you are identifying yourself with sinners. And there's reasons then why the Bible at different times admonishes us that, you know, in New Testament Scripture about eschewing the very appearances of evil. And that our company, if our company is always uh, with the path of people that are ungodly and sinners, then that sooner or later is going to rub off on you. I understand that Jesus uh, ate with publicans and with sinners. Uh, and as I've said before, many times in the New Testament, when you see that happening, it's because they were drawn to his table rather than he drawn to theirs. Amen. So we got to watch the standing. But it said, Neither does the blessed man sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, you all sitting right now. It's kind of comfortable, isn't it? I'm standing y'all sitting that's fine but whenever you sit you take repose whenever you sit you get comfortable sitting speaks of a resting place what are you doing i'm just sitting here (laughs) you've landed in a position right there you know people have certain ways that they sit if you ever notice you ever just watch people how they sit tells a lot about a person there used to be one guy, and he used to—he to sat all the time in, in a recliner. But he always had his right leg flipped over the arm as he would sit. Now that dude was relaxed. That dude was absolutely relaxed. But when we talk about sitting, sitting, we're talking about resting. And so, see, there, there's a progression to take place. We're just walking walking not in the counsel of the ungodly and then there, then there's a little greater we, we stand, we're not standing we're not standing uh, right there there among, a, I can't even get the words how am I standing in the way of sinners and then we're not, we're not sitting we're not comfortable with the scornful not only is there a progression with, with the, 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 the walking, the sitting and the standing, the standing and the sitting but there's a progression if you will the people, we have ungodly what else do we have? Sinners. What else do we have? Scornful. Amen. The ungodly, and this, this is very, very elementary, but it's those that are without God. Ungodly or without God. There are sinners. Now, the thing concerning a sinner, you know, a person can be a real good person and still be a sinner. You don't have to go do vicious things to be a sinner. You just got to be ungodly to be a sinner. <laughs> without God. To be a sinner, But then the, the, the degree is up because now we move into the level of scornful. These are people that are willfully rejecting, uh, being outlandish toward the things of God. But a blessed man, this blessing man, blessings of a man. Amen. He, doesn't, he does not involve himself in all that. So there's our, our don't list. Man, we, we don't do this, we don't do that. We're blessed because we don't do these things. But the blessing isn't just totally capitalizing on what we don't do, but also what we do. That's vitally important as Christians, as blessed men and women, because sometimes we get so hung up that our blessing is up on what we don't do. I would rather say up on what we don't do and what we do. Because there's a lot of people that may do the don'ts, but they haven't done the others. I don't cuss, I don't smoke, I don't drink. As a man, I keep my hair cut. As a lady, I let it grow long. I wear long skirts. I don't wear anything revealing or tight. That's great. That's a good list of don'ts. Man, they're a blessed man or woman. But there's the other side. The other side in verse number 2 speaks but his delight and before I go on there let, let me capitalize on this story and I think there was several months ago I shared this uh, with my wife uh, back concerning this walking mentality walking not in the council of the ungodly because just listen and hear me out there was a story that I read it's been a couple of months ago and it told of a story of a lady by the name of Margaret Sangster she was a social worker and that she was going uh, about, and she was told about a small boy that had been seen in a, in a certain uh, urban ghetto-type area, and uh, she, she went to investigate this for herself, and when she seen the youngster, he had been hit by a car several months before, uh, but his parents uh, were just fresh from a new place, had moved in and neglected to get him any medical attention. And it was not a part of her case caseload. It was not her responsibility. But she took the boy to an orthopedic surgeon. And she learned uh, through different series of events that through many operations that this child's body could be normal again. It could be... St- Stayed straight again. And so she cut through everything. She had to cut through and jump through all the hoops. She had to jump through and raise the funds and set the process in motion for this boy to have several operations. And years and years, years later, the boy came into her office and to her astonishment, he walked right into her office without any crutches, without any apparatus to aid him in his walking. And he was wanting to show her his complete recovery from the accident that, it had, that had been ignored. And he turned even a cartwheel for her in her office uh, just to show her how, how well uh, the operations had went. And so they embraced and they hugged one another because uh, she no doubt felt, you know, pretty good because she, she did whatever was neat or necessary in order to allow this this young man to be able uh, to walk again. And and she even spoke to a group that she had been speaking to. She said, if I'd never accomplished anything else in my life, she said, at least there's one young man that I can point to that, you know, really made a difference in. We all have that desire, you know, something we point to, say, man, it made a difference. And as she began continued to talk to these people, she paused at one moment in her presentation, and she says, this was very several, many, many years uh, from now, and she says, where do you think that boy is today? And caught in the emotion of the moment of shared that story with them and everything, several people started to make suggestions from the crowd. They were helping her in her presentation like you're helping me teach and they began to say I bet he's a school teacher and another one said no I, I bet he's a physician you know they throw out all these things perhaps even a social worker you know since that's what she was that, that would be a good Hallmark movie you know and there was a long pause and then with a very deep emotion she spoke back to that crowd he said no she said he's in the penitentiary for one of the foulest crimes a human being can commit and Brother Mason she made this admission She says, I was instrumental in teaching him how to walk again, but there was no one to teach him where to walk. So it is vitally important as Christians, as people, not just having the ability of our walk, but where are we walking? Where are we going? The Bible speaks of The blessed man, and it tells us what he he's blessed for for not doing, but then in verse 2 it tells us what he's blessed for because he has done something. And and let's consider here for a moment. Is a blessed man then a man that never has any sorrows? I mean, because there's some people that get real embittered over this scripture. Blessed is the man. Well, I still got I still get sick in my body, I still have afflictions that I deal with. There's time that the finances are not there. I've endured some losses. I've carried some crosses. Can you still be a blessed person like that? Yeah, because we're not talking about happiness here. We're not talking about some emotional feeling that goes up and down with circumstances and surroundings. We're talking about a blessed Man, a blessed man and if I could in just the, 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 the basis of the terminology of what a blessed man refers to it refers to that sense of joy and satisfaction that comes with knowing that one's life is pleasing to God because everything might not stack up exactly perfect right now today in your life but you're still a blessed woman and you're still a blessed man And we stand here still as a blessed church. It might not be just picture perfect around us, but to know that we're doing what we should be doing to get the favor of God upon our life. You're still a blessed man, a blessed woman, and a blessed church in spite of what's happening around you. You're blessed. You're blessed. Amen. Amen. And so he says, this is what he does. He says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. I would like to to say tonight that he is blessed the way that he is blessed. The success of him being a blessed man in verse 1 is greatly, greatly, attributed to verse number two because he delighted in the law of the lord have you ever delighted in something hmm? has anybody ever just delighted in something you know scripture uses this word delight at different times and in the old testament a lot of times it's the delight that comes about of a man delighting in a woman Did you ever delight in your spouse before you married that person? Kind of made a smile come across your face. Warm, fuzzy feeling all over. You delighted in that person? And that tells us a little something, that Scripture uses that same wording for a man that's delighting in a woman. Because have you noticed what happens to a man? What is he willing to do? How far is he willing to go when he delights in his woman? I've seen guys that delighted in women or in a particular woman that they rearranged their priorities. Yes. Yes. Right. Things that were near and dear and important to them in life were not as important when they began to delight themselves in that lady. They begin to rearrange their schedule. They began to spend money where they wouldn't have normally spent money because they delighted in that woman. As a matter of fact, they would give of themselves time, time to spend with her because they delighted in her. And he's not doing it because he has to do it. It's not like she was there, at least I hope she wasn't. It's not like she was there for pad paper. And by the way, if we're going to go out, you're going to have to spend X number of dollars on me a week, and you're going to have to spend X number of hours with me. That's usually not how it goes. As a matter of fact, she don't usually have to make a list. He's there like a panting dog in a wagon tail just wanting to play fetch. But that's what happens whenever you delight in something. Amen. And if I can draw that parallel with us tonight, nothing interferes with the time that he's going to spend with her. Nothing is just too much for her because it's the object of his delight. And so the blessed man is the man that delights in the law of the Lord. Whenever I speak of the law of the Lord, what do you think of whenever I say the law of the Lord? that referring to word very well it's not just speaking about the first five books of the Bible it's not just speaking about the commandments that Moses brought down it's talking about the entirety the whole encompassing of the word of God he said that he delights in that what does that mean it means that he's willing to rearrange his schedule to have some time with the word he's he's willing to rearrange priorities (laughs) to just spend some time in the word. He he delights in the law of the Lord. And it goes on to explain to us a little bit further. In his law, that word of God, doth he meditate day and night? Now there's a big difference between reading God's word and meditating on God's word. Some people have their bread programs and they read God's word and they read all those chapters they got to read that day and they check it off so they just feel good about their list but they didn't really process anything. It's like a hard rain on soil and it just ran off. Amen. But reading, you know, you know, there's more whenever you begin to meditate upon the word of the Lord. He said I meditated on it day, on night and day, day and night. He said I meditate on it. In other words, that's just a good way of saying all day. I just meditated on it. all day. I just think about it. now. Does that mean that we're sitting down in a lazy boy? We're just going. May I can't go to work anymore. I got to be delighting in the word of the Lord, and we have our and we got our you know our nose in the book, and we're reading and reading. I read half of the Old Testament today. You know? No, no, no. That's not what it's talking about. But you know, you can leave after you've left and you've read the scripture in the morning, whatever time of day it is that you left it. Have you ever just went away and just be was just thinking about what you read? Thought about the story. Thought about what the meaning was, or how that was uh, applicable to your life, or how that maybe answered a question that you have. And you're just meditating on the word of the Lord. He says, you know, it's kind of again like that boy that delights in that woman, even when he's not with her, he's thinking about her. Uh huh. It's it's not the only time you come in my mind is when you walk in my presence, type thing. No, even whenever she's not there, he's consumed. With thinking about her. Uh, Reading, reading, I I like to look at reading as just a two two dimensional thing. But whenever you start to meditate, that two dimensional thing just became three dimensional. Amen. Because we take these words and we, and and notice what the scripture says is that thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. Look at some of the secrets of this blessed man for not. Walking in the counsel of the ungodly and not sitting in the seat of the scornful and not standing in the way of sinners. How, how, how is he able to do all the don'ts? Because he's doing what the do's are. The word. He's meditating upon the law of God and David said thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee and so the frustration with some people they're keeping their list of their don'ts but they have a hard time keeping the don'ts under rain because they're not doing the do and we're not blessed like we could be blessed But we got, uh, we get the cart before the horse here. If we will delight in the word of God. Oh, Brother McGee, if you only knew some of those stories and the begats and the begots and the boo-ba-ba-ba. And some of those names, you know, they got 17 syllables in them. (laughs) Delight in this. You know what? We, we, we should just, this is still 24-7 year, okay? We should delight so much in God's word. Man, that, that, that we're eager, hopefully, from day in to day out, just to sit down and just read a portion of God's word and to think about that. And, and we should be so eager then that when Wednesday night Bible study comes, you know what's happening? Man, I'm ready for Wednesday night. Why? Because the songs are going to sing or, or this going to happen. No, because they're going to be talking about what I delight in. Oh Sunday morning, no. I I want to be at class Sunday morning, brother brother Mason. I know you're teaching over, there. I don't want to be at class. Why Why young person, do you want to be at class? Because man, he's talking about he's talking about my love. Matter of fact, I'm going to rearrange my schedule just so that I can be there. And that safeguards us. That's that sets us up to be blessed people. And it goes on to speak about this person. Amen. It goes on to speak about. This person, it tells us that, and he shall be like a tree. Yeah. Amen. He shall be like a tree planted by, everybody say, yeah. It didn't just say a river. It said rivers. By the rivers of water. The rivers of water. And notice, he says, he shall be like a tree planted so this just isn't something wild growing by nature someone had a hand in this you know one of the notable things of new testament scripture in the book of genesis man god he's creating all these things man the stars the lesser lights the the greater lights uh the beast of the field the fowl of the air and the earth are causing all these things to come forth all right, he formed man from the dust of the ground, all this is tremendous. But you know, the Bible particularly speaks of our God in Genesis 2, I think it is verse number 8, that God planted a garden eastward of Eden. So all you gardeners, you've got, you got a common thread with God because God even had top on his list in all creation. Everything else, he spoke the word and it came from the earth, but God planted, had his hand involved in planting the garden. And it was important to him. So whenever we consider the word planted, we're not just talking again, this did not happen by chance. This was not some, some tree of the wild that was growing, but this had somebody's hand involved. The blessed man is a planted man that had somebody's hand involved. The Bible says in in Isaiah 61, so I'm just going to take over this class now. In Isaiah 61 and verse number 3, the Bible says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty. We like this. This is a great verse. Beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. I like these trade-offs that's taking place, this exchange. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Man, I could use one of those. You know what I'm talking about. That they might be called trees of Righteousness. We're talking about the blessed, righteous man. That they might be called trees of righteousness. Look, the planting of the Lord. That he might be glorified. I, 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 I superimpose here on Psalms number one. That this man that is blessed. That's doing these do nots. But engaging himself in the word of God. Engaging himself in the word. That God says, hey, you know what? I'm going to plant you. He says, and I'm going to plant you not by a river of water, but by rivers of water. Because in their culture, in their time, and in their their placement in the world, there were could and could be times of great drought. Times in which rainfall and source of water was very scarce. As a matter of fact, there was not a whole lot of vegetation in their area as a result of there being drought and a lack of rainfall many times. But God says uh, where you would just be planted normally in that place and you would suffer some and and you would have a hard time finding water, He says, I'm going to plant you by rivers of water insomuch that whenever trouble comes and drought comes, you're still going to have a source.'" your roots can tap into he said that's a blessed righteous man he said the other trees look the Bible says their, their leaf will not wither he said there may be some other trees under the sector and category of ungodly that may wither he said but you're tapped into a source now your roots may have to go pretty deep and they might have to go pretty far He said, but I've put you close enough where you can have a water source. And I like what he says concerning this tree that's planted, had some type of intervention of a hand to plant this tree. He said that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. This is a fruitful tree. Everyone say "Fruitful." fruitful. It's a fruitful tree. Amen. But it's important to note these words, and this is hard for me to wrap my hands around at times, being a human being and being a Christian. Says he shall bring forth his fruit in his season he will not bear fruit every day and every month of the year that's hard for me to grasp a hold of as a Christian that's hard for me to grasp a hold of as a father and a husband and a pastor that I'm a blessed man living rightly and uprightly before the Lord but the best that I can get is yielding fruit in the season that it's appropriate for me. And I don't know that season, but God does. So I take comfort from Scripture then that if I'm not walking in the count, and I'm not standing, and then I'm not sitting, and I am, though, delighting in the law of the Lord, then these promises are for me. These promises are for you. And this is the only word of encouragement I can give you tonight. That if you're not fruitful right now, it's just not your season, but your season's coming. Because he will be fruitful in his season he did not say you never be fruitful he said you will be fruitful in your season I don't know sometimes season lasts three months sometimes they last it seems like a couple months sometimes it seems like they hardly even lasted at all I don't know how long your season's going to be but there will come a time a period a window an interim of time you may not be fruitful now but if you're not walking not sitting not not taking counts from all these other places but you're delighting in the Lord you're invested in this word you're thinking you're meditating upon it your season someone look at your neighbor and say your season's coming. Your season is coming. Amen. Your season's coming. Now note. You gotta be plugged into the word. You gotta be plugged into the word. The 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 capability or the success of the fruitfulness the endowment if you will of the fruitfulness is contingent upon being a delighter of the word the Bible says in Deuteronomy 7 in verse number 12 wherefore it shall come to pass if ye hearken to these judgments keep and do them that the Lord thy God shall keep Unto thee the covenant of the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, listen now, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil. Which corn, wine, and oil then is just a, a, a symbolism. They always spoke about those three. That is just all. Whenever it speaks corn, wine, and oil, it, that is just all-encompassing. It's a representation for all. Amen, thy corn, thine wine, thy oil, the increase of thine kind, thy flocks of thy sheep, and the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren. You're going to be reproductive. There's not going to be a male or female barren among you or among your cattle. Thank you, Jesus. He's going to love me, bless me, multiply me. Man, I'm going to have flocks, corn, wine, and oil. Not a barren among me. But it's all contingent on verse number 12. Like Psalms number 1 is. If you hearken to the judgments and keep and do the commandments. He was speaking about that law. The law of God. The word of God. The things that he had shared with them. He said, you plug in and delight in that. You delight in that? He said, I'll make you a tree that's planted, that bring forth fruit in your season. Your leaf's not gonna wither. Whatsoever you do shall prosper. I'll bless it. I'll multiply it. Yes, I will, but you gotta be plugged in to the word. No, he did not say, if you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly and you don't stand in the way of sinners, and you don't sit in the seat of the scornful, then I'll plant you as a... The blessing wasn't tied to what they didn't do. It was tied to what they did do. Amen. So we have... the, The church church world, I hope you've realized but it's vastly different than the world world okay um, in the world you know we view success, you know health, wealth, status, power you go in, in those things the man it's good, it's great, that's success we don't measure success by the same standard the world measures success for that matter, a New Testament scripture like uh, Luke chapter number 12 I believe it is whenever it speaks about uh, that we need to beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists if not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. We we measure we measure blessing or we measure wealth or success, if you will, by two different measures in these worlds. And so then, that's the word though that you hear from other people. You call yourself blessed. Why does it seem like sometimes you got to scrounge around just to make ends meet? You're a church goer and God blesses you. And why are y'all sick? You've heard it. They might even come talk to you after I've talked to you right now. They'll do it somewhere along the line. You're supposed to be serving God. He's supposed to be taking care of you. Then why, why, why is all of this and this and that happening? Because our blessing is not set on a temporal plan, but on the eternal plan. Our blessing is not on a temporal plan, but an eternal plan now notice what he says in verse 4 and I must hurry the Bible says the ungodly are not so What's what's it referring back to? it's referring back to everything we just talked about the ungodly are not planted they're not planted the ungodly are not bringing forth his fruit in his season he's not planted for sure by rivers of water and the leaf shall not all these different things. He's not delighting in the law. The ungodly are not so, look, but are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. So we have the blessed righteous man that is like what? Teach with me. (laughs) The righteous blessed man is like what? What is the symbolism? A tree. But the ungodly... Chaff, particularly, yes, that is driven by the wind. Chaff that is driven by the wind. That's chaff that is already separated from the wheat or the grain or the corn. If it's blowing around, it's already been separated. The prophet Isaiah asked a question, and he said, in so many words, and I'm paraphrasing, basically, what is the chaff to the wheat? the question that he gave what is the chaff to the wheat a lot of people just want to throw off the chaff is worthless chaff is worthless when it's separated somebody just stay with me chaff is worthless when it's separated what though is the chaff to the wheat or for our measure we're, we live around corn the husk to the corn what is the husk to the corn well in the growth stage and everything that that husk is wrapped around that corn it it keeps it protected on large as a matter of fact if you go out in a cornfield and you see a corn stalk that grew up and somewhere along the way its husk fell off you're going to see that it's going to be largely uh, penetrated by insect and debris and it will not by no means be quite as healthy as if it didn't have the husk All right, but whenever you that husk then forms or the, the chaff whichever you wish to talk about it is a protective layer it really is it's a protective layer amen it has listen this is the key word it has purpose as long as it stays with the fruit it has purpose as long as it stays with the grain the only time that chaff becomes worthless is when it separates itself from the grain and he said he said that the ungodly are like the chaff that is driven, which is telling me it's already been separated. It's worthless because it's ungodly. It's already been separated, because the Lord spoke of Himself in New Testament Scripture. He said, "Except a grain of wheat, speaking of Himself, fall on the ground and die, it already separated itself from the grain. Him being the cord of the the the." the, the the corn of wheat he uh, they already became separated. so the ungodly are as the chaff that's driven by the wind they've already they have look they have no further purpose when they become separated from the fruit separated from the grain separated from the plant they have no purpose and you look at me squarely in my eye tonight, and let me ask you something. Have you ever came across a person in this world today that has told you in so many words, I just don't see no purpose in life anymore? They've been separated from the grain. The ungodly are not so. What is the chaff to the wheat? Man, it helps protection and all that, but if you separ- if it separates from that, worthless. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And then you, you, can, you can see the contrast. Here's a tree that's planted. It's got roots. You know, you've seen trees, man, grow for years. They went to drought and all this stuff, and they're still standing. Storms come by. They're still standing. They're planted. They're rigid. They're there. Chaff, really, chaff of wheat, man, is real small. You could probably put one between these two little fingers. It's real paper thin. And it would just whoo, flutter down. We're looking at something that's planted, rigid, structured, bare, and something else if a wind like that come along it'd probably be in another state since we're so far from a border of one amen <sighs> amen that was your that, that. and that's where it goes he said you separate the chaff from the wheat and you burn it but you don't burn it until it's separated because until it's separated it's still serving purpose amen he goes on to say I got to finish this I'm not this this was not a series okay I'm finishing (laughs) amen go serve the coffee bring it out therefore so as a result of that therefore as a result of all this the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous again Success, we're measuring success on an eternal plan here. Not a temporal plan as the world, wealth, health, power, status. Those will deteriorate and be gone one of these days. We're talking about success on an eternal plan. And he says the ungodly will not be able to stand in the day of judgment. If I could say it like this, because we're all going to meet the judgment seat of Christ, Hebrews 9:27, as it is appointed to men once to die, but after this to judgment every individual will, will be at the judgment and they'll go through judgment when it says they won't be able to stand it doesn't mean that the ungodly are going to be sitting in chairs or going to be laying down on the floor at the judgment what it means is in these terms they won't be able to rise they will not be left standing at judgment they will not to be able to uh, wh- they don't have a leg to stand on does that make it plain <laughs> no. they don't have a leg to stand on at ju- they will not survive judgment I want you, I want you to know this Notice the scripture here. And, and, and just notice real quickly the blessed righteous man and the ungodly. The blessed righteous man stands in judgment and is able to, not because he's a sinless person, but that when he did sin, he knew where to find his forgiveness. And wasn't going to go on in life until he had found it. All right? Amen. But, but, but we come into this, this, this little area here. here. Here's Judgment Day. And, and notice, man, notice that the Lord knows them. The Bible goes on, verse 6, and I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. I'll get there. In verse number 6, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The way of the ungodly... The Lord knows them. The Lord knows the righteous. The Lord knows the blessed man. And so he will not perish. And so, if he's not going to perish, then it goes serve that the ungodly will perish. As a matter of fact, and he says, "I know the way of the righteous." Did not New Testament scripture, whenever it speaks about those that came to the Lord, and it's depicting the time of judgment day and the time of the Lord come back, whenever they are coming through? And he spoke to one, uh, "Enter on in into the joy of the Lord." But then to another, he said, "Sarme, sorry, sorry, depart from me. What I never." Never knew you. Uh, just real quick, and I, I'm going over. And it's eight thirty now. And why? Well, you, listen. These things took a lot of time. They took time from when I was. Doing. But <clears throat> the verb "know," for the Lord knoweth. The word "know." There's there's more there in that word than just a mental awareness. Okay. This word throughout the Old Testament many times is used, and I'm not trying to get here rated R, but with sexual intercourse. Personal, intimate knowing. He says, The Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. But he doesn't know. There is no intimacy. Why? Why Why is there no intimacy with the ungodly? Because the ungodly never did delight. They never. Delighted. They were never wooed and just taken over by the Lord and His Word, which in the beginning was the Word, the Word's with God, the Word was God, John 1 1. They never, they never was infatuated or taken over by His Word. Now here we are. This is the this is the judgment will be the equalizer of the righteous and the ungodly. Judgment will be the equalizer of the righteous and the ungodly because as we live in this life and the why, why, why brother Fred you have all these problems why do you have this you're supposed to be a Christian blah, blah, blah judgment will be the equalizer of the ungodly and the righteous I just want to read a few verses of scripture and I'm coming to a close amen here tonight but I love these verses of scripture in the book of Psalms that Asaph amen wrote Amen, because a lot of times this is where we are at. Will you allow me to read them? I'm going to read them in close. I'll have you to stand whenever I get finished. But Psalms chapter 73, I want to read several of them, okay? This is, here's your Bible reading today if you haven't got it in. Amen. Go home and meditate on this after we're done. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Nasaph says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What's going on here? Man, they have it going on, and it seems like I'm just reaching up to touch bottom. What's going on, God? I'm the blessed man. I'm the righteous man. They're the ungodly. Hello. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Who? The unrighteous. The ungodly. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. Have you ever thought that? I mean, they got everything. If I stopped paying my tithes, I'd be able to have that too. But we're looking at success on the eternal plan. I could have a lot of what these other people did if we didn't invest in the kingdom, So could a lot of you. They are corrupt and speak wickedly. Look, he's looking at their character. This just is not weighing out. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. God they don't adore you they don't appreciate you they don't speak well of you their tongue walketh through the earth therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them and they say how doth God know and is there knowledge in the most high behold these are the look the ungodly says these are the ungodly who prosper in the world just in the world though what about the world after they increase in riches, the ungodly. He says, verily, I have cleansed my heart. How? With the washing of the word. You sanctify me by your word in John. I delight in that, so it washes me. He said, verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain. Look at these. He says, and what I'm doing, is it really accounting to anything? Does this, really, does this really matter? They preach to me and tell me it matters, and it really matters, but I'm not seeing no evidence that it really matters in this life. And let me tell you, there's been greater people than some of you sitting on pews that bailed ship because they pondered that idea for so long. It's not mattering right now. But we are measuring success on the eternal plane. He says, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued. Look, this is my situation. They're blessed. They're increasing in riches. Me, I'm plagued. I'm plagued and chastened every morning. It seems like I'm dealing with trouble every day. Chastened every morning. And if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should a- a- offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful. me. Man, I'm being overwhelmed by all this. And I love this. you got to read it all up to this when he says, Asaph said, I'm, I'm considering all this. This is woe with me. It's not good. They're great. I'm not. They're being blessed. I'm the blessed man. But it seems like they're being blessed. They're ungodly. Here's all this stuff. And he says, until... I went into the sanctuary of God Then understood I therein. Whenever I got out of the world and I got in the sanctuary and it took me a little space of time to delight in the word of God again, the word told me they have a fixed end, a fixed determination, and though I might be in torment now, I'll be comforted for all eternity. So ask yourself the question, would you rather be comforted now and tormented for eternity or suffer a little torment right now you're a blessed man you're a blessed woman he's planted you you got resources it may not look like it sometimes but God has a hand in your lives you will bring forth fruit in your season hallelujah let's stand right now just give some adoration to the king I love you Lord God, I thought it was bad until I came to the sanctuary and I understood therein. Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Jesus! God, you know me and you know my ways. And it's not all just covered up in what I don't do. But meditating, involving myself in that word, eternal, everlasting word of God. Hallelujah. It's, judgment's gonna be the great equalizer. It's gonna be the great equalizer. oh let's just magnify him I feel the spirit of the Lord thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC again that's FACMC thank you and have a blessed day